0: Hey, baby, Stevie Van Zane here. You are listening to Jazz is Backstage Pass.
1: I'm your host, Brian Zimmerman. I am so excited to share this episode with you because, as you heard, my guest today is the actor, DJ, political activist, and rock and roll icon, Stephen Van Zandt. Now, you probably know Stephen from his role as the guitarist in the E Street Band, where he serves as the right hand man to The Boss, Bruce Springsteen. Or you might know him from his longtime role on The Sopranos, where he played Silvio Dante, right-hand man to yet another boss, Tony Soprano. Still others may know him from his role as the frontman in such groups as Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, and Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul. You might have even seen his latest show, Lilyhammer, in which he plays Frank Tagliano, a New York mob boss who relocates via witness protection to Lilyhammer Norway. We're actually listening to the theme from Lilyhammer right now, Lilyhammer Nocturne. Van Sant was also the producer and one of the writers for that show. It aired for two seasons starting in 2012 and was actually the first ever Netflix original series. A lot of people don't know that. Anyhow, Steven wrote and arranged a lot of the music for the series, and just recently that music was released on CD and streaming services in two volumes. The first volume is a collection of jazz standards and originals, and the second volume collects rock and roll, some Norwegian folk music, some funk, all the interesting odds and ends. The albums feature Stephen's latest band, Little Stephen and the Interstellar Jazz Renegades, and Stephen was generous enough to join us from New York, sitting in traffic no less, uh, to talk about it. We also cover his love of Miles Davis, his travels with Bruce Springsteen, his role in helping to end apartheid in South Africa, and that famous Sopranos ending. Before we get into all that, though, I just want to say thank you to one of this week's sponsors, Cobuzz.com, a streaming service that offers the most comprehensive CD-quality hi-fi catalog in the world and the largest selection of streaming music in studio-quality high-res. You can enjoy unlimited streaming of all your music from just nine ninety nine per month with no strings attached. Just visit cobuzz.com, that's Q-O-B-U-Z dot com to learn more. Alright, now it's time to take it backstage with Stephen Van Zandt. So, man I was so excited when uh, when this new album the uh, Lily Hammer kind of soundtrack volume 2 came across my desk because I absolutely loved the first one man you know I've been a fan of your stuff for so long with Bruce and the E Street band with Southside Johnny um little Steven Disciples of Soul it was so cool seeing you in a jazz mode man a real Frank Sinatra esque jazz mode um, <laughs> cuz you yeah, have you have the chops you got the voice
0: Yeah it's it's not something i do very often but i really i really get to enjoy it you know and um, i don't know so one of these days we'll see you know i may end up doing uh, doing that as a as a show you know oh, it's so much fun awesome.
1: That'd be awesome Yeah i wanted to just start right off the bat talking about Lilyhammer which i've really really uh have enjoyed watching Um you know, it's a lot of people don't know this because we take it for granted these days, but this was the first Netflix original series, wasn't it? Yep,
0: yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, on my first promo tour, I'd explain to people what Netflix was.
1: Well, that's exactly the thing, man. It was like, how did you get involved? And when Netflix approached you, we were like, what, Netflix? It's like Blockbuster making a movie. Like, how is this going to work?
0: Well, it was very strange circumstances. Um, first of all, the this husband and wife, uh, you know, Norwegian husband and wife team, the writing team, um, came to a studio where I was producing a, a Norwegian band in Bergen, Norway, and said, um, "You know, we've written a show for you." And I was like, "Wow, you know." And they said, "And I said, What is it?'" And they uh, said, "Well." Gangster goes to the witness protection program and, and chooses Lillian in
1: Norway.
0: <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I, I just played a gangster for 10 years, you know. I really shouldn't do that. Um, but the more I thought about it, I, I just could not resist. I mean, it was just so weird. Uh, I, I'd never heard of anybody starring in a foreign country's local TV show, you know. Right. I mean, how weird is that, right? You know, and um, so... You know, um, they say, you know, we, we really want you involved. We, know we want you to be, you know, part of the production team, part of the writing team. And, um, and I said, ah, what the hell, you know, it's just too freaky to, to pass up. So um, I started doing it and we, we spent a year writing it and it was quite tricky to write. You know how much English should there be in it? How how funny right. should it be? Right. I, I didn't want to do a straight ahead comedy. You know, I wanted it to be more of a dramedy, yep. so we could have some serious moments. You know, and um, so you know, we work on this thing for a year, and we start shooting, and like six weeks in, very very early in, it it occurred to me, we cannot afford to shoot the show that we wrote. You know. Oh, why is that? I mean, it's just. Well, as if the budget wasn't yeah. wasn't really there, you know? they was kind of like, you know, not quite being honest with me when it came to the budget. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm looking around, you know, I'm like, gee, where's all the grips and gaffers? And, you know, where, where, where's the crew? You know, where, where, where is everybody? And, uh, you know, and so, uh, of course, my agent and everybody else at the time tried to talk me out of doing it in the first place. They're like, are you out of your mind? You're going from the biggest, most important TV show in history to yeah. a local Norwegian show, yeah. you know. I, I just had a feeling about it. And so I called up. I said, listen, I got a problem. You know, you can say I told you so. But book a few, book. you know, book book a few uh, meetings in L.A. and I'm yeah, flying so just, in, you know. So just in case. I'm sure I'm gonna come. Yeah. So I, I created a... Um, we didn't have an episode. We're only filming like six, six weeks, so... I had them film a trailer, create a trailer. And, uh, and I went to see Chris Albrecht, who I, who I knew and was friendly with from HBO. You know, he was now running stars and, um, and he wanted it. Um, and, and, and I, and, and I said, you know, he says, but I got nothing less than my budget this year. You know, I'm already, you know, um, I said, he said, you know, I'll make up. I'll make it up to you next year. And I said, Chris, you don't understand. I need the money now, you yeah. know, to make this thing, you know. So Netflix happened to be like across the street, you know. So uh, uh called Ted Sarandos. He got on the phone. And, you know, happened to, you know, be a fan or whatever. And I uh, said, Ted, you know. I hear you're looking for, you know, you're a new, I hear you, you know, you're a new content creator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are, are you interested? And he's like, come on over, you know? So we went over and, um, made the deal in an hour. It was the most amazing business deal of my life. Uh, a two season deal by the way, yeah. which, which was unprecedented in the right. entire history of, I think, uh, you know, uh, the history of TV. Um, and, um, and so you know that you know there, there it was. We had, I had enough money to make the show now, and um, I decided um, you know the music should be should should reflect the show. We got totally. a New York wise guy dropping into the middle of this c- crime-free you know paradise called Norway. So I said you know I'm going to do the music. I'm going to do I want it to be like half New York jazz yep. and half Norwegian folk music. You yep. know. And and kind of combine those things. And uh, and that's I going to combine them both. It's going to be theme song. And I um, um, and, uh, went from there, man, you
1: know? Absolutely, dude. And it's got to be, uh, you know, one of the first combinations of Norwegian folk and, and New York jazz. Um, you know, I'd like to talk about your musical background when it comes to jazz. Because, you know, anybody that listens to you knows that there's a strong... R&B, soul, funk, early rock, blues background. But like I say, you know, you're writing for this album it reflects some real strong jazz chops. I know you arranged, I know you arranged the horns for 10th Avenue Freeze Out. But what was your first or your, you know, your earliest exposure to jazz music?
0: I guess it was, you know, the the early um, the earliest kind of thing would be would probably be a combination of the the pop things I guess you know some mm-hmm. some of the early jazz things were crossing over into pop, you know, like um some of the Latino, you know, the Cuban sure? some of the Cuban thing, yeah. you know, like you know, uh you know, um, that kind of vibe or yeah. even the, the Stan gets with the growth of Liponema sure. type of thing, you know. Uh you know, a couple of those things are kinda of crossing over. And then um, I just got into Miles Davis. I, I saw him at the Fillmore East Wow, and I got into Miles Davis and um, just dug his whole thing. Um, ironically, I, I I I like I like his more traditional stuff better than the than, than the electric stuff, uh, actually. Yeah, but um, I know I'm, I'm in a minority.
1: No, nah, um, I don't think so. Not with this camp. You know. Not with this camp. Yeah, <laughs> like straight ahead Miles too. Man. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's just like this is you know. And I
0: got a lot from, from his records, and 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 then, of course, from him, I went to Coltrane and and and, uh, and Charlie Parker. You know, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about the crazy super fast bebop stuff. Right. You know, I, I like the more melodic, you know, the more melodic side of of, of jazz. You know, which is you know, I guess the older tra- tradition really. Um, that's what I dig the most. And, and um, so you know, it was just you know picking up on stuff from, from that era, you know, that, that I guess, you know, mostly 40s and 50s, you know, uh, and, and um, you know, uh, but even, uh, I even dig some of the later things, like, um, I, I love Tutu, I know some people don't, but I, I, I think that album is phenomenal, myself. Uh, but that was, you know, a whole different side of Miles, but at the same time, it was it's very traditional, really, the, the context that that he was playing in was more modern and, and you know synthesizer and more more uh, contemporary but but the way he's playing on that record is actually quite traditional and and, uh, and I and I like that as well but you know I, I come from did, the yeah. you know I come from that you know you know kind of blue and and, uh, and that stuff that just you know really just resonated you know and still does really still does I mean you know so it was just Making it up as we went, and the, the big decision I made, which was which I'm very happy I made, it was, you know, when you're doing a score, you know, you got 30 seconds here, you got 20 seconds there, right. and right right away from, from day one, you know, I'm I'm assembling all of these great musicians with the help of uh, Lee Musicor, you know, um, uh, this wild man from who had been with Tony Bennett uh, a, lot, a long time, and back all the way to Buddy Rich. Uh, he, he was really uh, assembling the band for me. Wow. And I had all these great players. And I said, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't think in terms of 30 seconds, really. You know what I mean? I, I'd, rather, I'd rather, like, do a song and then take 30 seconds from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Rather than, you know, cause it, it, it's not much more work. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. By, by the time you create an interesting, you know, 37 seconds, you know, um, you might as well, you know, do it you know, three and a half minutes long, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and this way, you know, I, I gave guys the chance to blow a little bit, yep. and, you know, and, you know, doing some great solos and and we did the orchestrations on the spot, which was very unusual, you know, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to play with that stuff a little bit and have some fun because, you know, there's always some pressure you know, when it comes to making records and, and, um, for once, you know, I wanted to kind of be loose about it and, and, um, let the creative process just kind of flow in the studio, get the creative input from the musicians themselves, you know? And, um, and that's what we did, you know? So instead of you know, I know I knew I, I knew I needed, you know, 38 seconds, but I would do a whole song and then, and then sure enough, you know, the songs held up as, as great individual songs, you know, that that way I wasn't just doing a bunch of pieces. You know, there are some pieces on volume two, especially, you know, shorter pieces, but, um, but the jazz stuff, you know, there's a good, solid, whatever it is. You know, eight or ten real songs. And uh, and that was a decision I, I made early on, and, I, and I'm so glad I did.
1: Steve, if you don't mind, let's actually listen to one of these cuts. Let's listen to My Kind of Town, only this is your kind of uh, funny take. The town in question here is uh, Lilyhammer, so let's give it a spin. Maestro, one of your finest chords, please.
0: Now this could only happen To a guy like me And only happen In a town like this Am I right? So may I say To each of you Most gratefully As I throw Each one of you
1: You know, you dip, you back into the great American songbook. You know, pretty heavily. There's some beautiful. All of me is on there. Um, I'm a fool. Don't you? My kind of town. Now, as you were sitting and arranging um, these tunes, you know, which were originally penned by masters, do you feel that that helped kind of? elevate or enhance your arranging skills, like just to be working with the material that these great songwriting masters gave you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta say yes, uh, and uh, you know, and they, they, the thing is, you know, you, you want to, you want to pay homage to those guys, and, 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 uh, and you're going to school at the same time, let's face yep. it, yeah, as, right. as you suggest, you know, uh, so, you know, I went a little bit crazy on all of me, you know, but but it was, but it was fun, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, in the end, in the end, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun way of, of exercising muscle that I just hadn't had a chance to exercise before. You know, yeah. there's just not a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of practical reasons for, for doing that kind of stuff, except in this, in this context, which is, which is, you know, a score for a specific TV show. So, uh, I was able to really uh, yeah, get a chance to, to have some fun with that
1: Excellent man Well you mentioned All of Me and yes that is a great track and if it's alright with you I would love to give it a spin uh, so we could hear the ending there which is as you say you go a little crazy but it's great take
0: my lips I want to
1: You know, I know jazz was in the background, blues in the background, rock was in the back, but it was the Beatles that really changed everything for you, right?
0: Yeah, I would say the Beatles and and, and the Stones because because um, the Beatles sort of introduced the whole concept of a band yeah. to me. You know, I had never seen a band before, and and but they were we didn't discover them till halfway through the career, mm, so so yeah. they were extremely sophisticated. I mean, you know. Uh, the harmony was extraordinary, you know. Their hair was perfect. The clothes were perfect. They just—they were completely alien uh, to us, and, and and completely evolved to a point where you could say, "Geez, it's a wonderful world." But you know, I don't see myself really being able to do that. You know, uh, but the Stones came four months later, and, and and they made it look easier than it was. You know. Uh, and uh you know they, they all wore different things and you know the hair wasn't quite perfect except for brian jones and you know they had no harmony really you know it was just like they were really the first punks yeah. and, and uh and they made it more accessible you know they simply made it more accessible and uh and so i i, I always give both that, that credit because i think you know without the beatles there'd be nothing uh, they, they invented it all you know really right. uh, but the Stones made it made it made it actually accessible right.
1: and inspired you to pick up the guitar right it was the band yeah yeah. I wanted bands. to be
0: yeah, I mean yeah you know I wasn't I wasn't ever interested in show business you know I, mm. I really and, and before before the bands of course it was all individuals and it was all you know look at me you know look at me look at me it's all about me I'm in the spotlight you know me 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 right and for and suddenly here comes the band, and the band was like, "It's us. It's 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 the family. It's friendship. It's the posse. It's the clubhouse. It's you know, it's a whole different vibe yeah. than, than me, me, me. It's us, you know." And I thought that that communicates something different, you know, something that I wanted to be a part of, you know. And and, I, and I've talked about this a lot, but what really really changed me forever and got me into it was uh, seeing the Stones the first time. And I saw something that I'd never seen before, which was uh, Mick Jagger, you know, uh, performed, was performing and, and, and didn't smile. Hmm. And I'd never, I'd never seen a performer who didn't smile before. And I thought to myself, that is remarkable. That, that, that took it out of show business for me. Hmm. And and put it in the area of a lifestyle. Yeah, I said, wow, this guy, this guy is, you know, these guys are something different. You know, it's not really about show business and trying to please people, and you know, and, and all that. This was about, hey, this is who we are, right? This is what we do. Take it or leave it. You know, right? And, I, and that's what attracted me. And that's uh. why I, was, I said, you know what? I want, I want a piece of that. Piece you know, that's that's I want, I want a piece of that lifestyle, man. I don't, I couldn't care less about show business, but
1: that i want you know huh man all these parallels to miles davis who knew because he famously you know would play with his back to the audience you know his head down and the idea was you know this is not about me this is about the music this is about what's happening on stage so who knew miles would yeah be- and i and
0: i and I, and, and I still feel
1: that way you I, know what i mean you know, I,
0: I you know yeah. I, right now with my band you know i feel like i'm just presenting it man you know yep. uh, it's going to take me it's going to take me a while to get back to being a, a, a complete front man you know, I, I got quite good at it in the 80s, but, but now, you know, I, I'm probably, after doing it for two years now, I'm probably about halfway back. But it's going to take a while. It's going to take, I, I, and I said it right from the beginning, I said it's going to take me three, four albums, three, four years before I can even approach getting back to being a good front man like I was in the 80s. And I may never get there. But I'm looking at it a whole different way now. You know, not so much as a front man, as just like a presenter, you know? This is, this is, this is the music, man. I think it has value you know, check it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I think the, the band is so musical that it's entertaining on its own, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you were in one band that, you know, certainly felt like a family, you know, that being the E Street Band. You know, and I was trying to think of, uh, before the interview, in the E Street Band, who would you say was the biggest jazz head? I'm guessing it was a toss-up between Clarence and Max.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably true. Um, and I, I, it'd be a close call there. Yeah, it'd be a close call. Um, but it was Max who turned me on to Lee Musiker, who, who ended up being my 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 MD, you know, my uh, yeah. my music director, really, of, of the album. Um, so Matt, Max recommended him. So Max always had a a real uh, connection to the uh, to, to the great drummers, you know, uh, Buddy Rich and. Uh, and all those guys. I think he actually took lessons from um oh, what's his name? Joe uh, uh with with Brubeck uh, uh oh geez, I can't think of his name right now.
1: Joe uh Joe Morillo.
0: Yeah Brubeck Bru- Brubeck's from you know. Anyway, oh, wow. I think he, I think he's from New Jersey. Yeah right. and I think yeah, I think I think Max actually took lessons from him and uh so Max was coming from that, that jazz yeah. thing. Uh you know and uh yeah, yeah.
1: And I know for a fact that on uh, the Sopranos, you know, on which you played Silvio Dante, one of your fellow actors, Michael Imperioli, was a huge jazz fan. Correct?
0: Oh, I I didn't even know
1: that. Oh yeah, yeah, he was. He's a a major supporter of the Jazz Foundation of America, um, and yeah, big jazz fan, huge jazz fan. So so he was never never (laughs) (laughs) he was never uh, spinning music on the set.
0: No, no, no. We never really talked about that. Yeah, he probably he might have had it on in his trailer. I bet he he did. But uh, yeah, but we didn't actually talk about music much uh, for whatever reason. We usually
1: you were working, man. Does it feel like it's been twenty years since that show first aired?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I've had several lifetimes since then, so (laughs) it it seems like. you know, it's already like five, six years since Lilyhammer, so you yeah. know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, it's, it's, I, I have no sense of time, so, so it's really to me, it could have been yesterday, it could have been last year, it could have been a hundred years ago, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't really feel it that way, you know.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of crazy to me that two shows that you were on, right, Sopranos and now Lilyhammer, because it's on Netflix and bingeable would essentially end up changing the way we watch television, the both of them. I think that's something you Yeah, I would about. happen to
0: be there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it's... I
0: just, it just, you know, this just happened to be at the right place at the right time, man. It was wild, you know. Yeah. Seeing the whole revolution take place with Sopranos, and then seeing it happen all over again with Netflix was, was uh, very unexpected.
1: Now, and, with Sopranos, uh, did you know while you were filming it, you know, with David Chase, this is something special, this is something different? <laughs> This is like a movie. Not,
0: not, not the first. Not the first. I mean, we knew it was something different. That's for sure. Um, but HBO held on to that pilot for almost a solid year. Uh, wow. You know, trying to get co- co-funded. Yeah, trying to get it co-funded, at which they never did. And so it was. It was not obviously a hit. Okay, I mean, it just it wasn't. Mm. It was weird. Okay? Yeah. it was very yeah. eccentric. You know, the premise was eccentric. Everybody said he had too many characters and too many subplots and no stars and you know, uh, you know the camera never moved and it was almost film like cinema verite and I mean it was yeah. you know as close to a documentary. I mean, yeah. if you you know in those days you watch that first series, you know, of, of Sopranos and if you and if you change the channel to any of the Hollywood type of TV shows, it was shocking, you know, what a difference it was, so, you know. I mean, you know, just just in the lighting, you know what I mean? Like it was just lit differently, and you know, it wasn't overlit like all of the, you know, the CSIs of the world or whatever, you know, whatever. You know, all of all those procedural shows are just, you know, they look so Hollywood compared to, you know, Sopranos. I mean, it's just like there's a whole different. So it was, it was not obviously, you know. Something that was uh, obviously a hit. This wasn't. It was. It was very eccentric, and the, the premise. You know, uh, my, my boss has ducks flying out of his pool, and he gets a nervous breakdown over it. You know, uh, at the making of a hit show. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, apparently bizarre. So. And, and but, but but yeah. By the by the time by the third or fourth show, uh, before, you know third or fourth episode, everybody's stopping me on the street talking about nothing else. Right. That, that that's what I knew we were on to something because uh Yeah to so be in at that point I had been a rock star for twenty five years and it was just right out the window. Like, forget it, you know. the the rock star thing didn't exist. It was all about Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. You well know? I was like, Wow, the power of T V is fucking amazing. Right. You know? Right. It really is. I mean, you know, I mean overnight. Overnight. I mean within within a month. It was like bam. Forget about Springsteen, East Street, man, forget about all that stuff. It's Sopranos, man. All
1: Sopranos, man. You know? It was a sensation, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah and sens- I wasn't that recognizable either, by the way. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't easy to, you know, I didn't look, I didn't exactly look the same on yeah. the show. So, you know, people were stopping me somehow, they
1: knew. Right. Wow. You know, I'm not going to yeah. ask you to weigh in on the ending, but uh, I'll just simply uh, state my opinion so that people can argue in the comments section, which is that I thought it was brilliant. I thought you couldn't end the show any other way, um, <laughs> because it was just that much of a force, man. And it was all about being in your head, and the you know the screen cuts to black, and now all of a sudden you're in your own head, and you know you just live with that. I I thought it was perfect. I will just say that.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, good, good. I agree with you. I, obviously. And uh, it was quite brilliant, and people, you know, still talking about it. So it's amazing. That's exactly
1: right. Were you a fan of that genre, yeah. that mobster kind of style movie?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, all all the way back. Yeah, that's why I felt I could do it. I had not only seen all the movies, I had read every single book. Oh no, nice. and uh, this is kind of a you know just kind of an interest you know for no reason. Uh, so yeah, when it came along, I thought, no, I, I think I, I think I know how to do this. Yeah.
1: Very nice. And you did it very well. Very well. You know, Uh, I. Thank you. You're you're welcome. I wanted to ask um, as we wrap up here, you know, um, during your solo career, you got very politically engaged in the 80s and 90s, you know, with albums like um, Sun City. I think you were instrumental in, you know, through the concerts you put on, you know, in front of some 70,000 people, you know, kind of kind of uh, moving along the release of Nelson Mandela, you know, and the end of apartheid, which was, you know, a major cause for you. And I just love this idea that you had, which was that you can use the culture to influence the politics. You know, you change the culture and the politics would follow.
0: Yeah, I really felt strongly about that in those days. I I was was on a mission to Politicize all my friends and politicize the industry itself mm-hmm. because it was not hip. It was not really uh, encouraged yeah. to talk about issues back then. And uh, you know, I just felt very strongly about that. And, and you know, let's 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 use this wonderful form of communication to do mm-hmm. something really useful. You know, and uh, we were uh, amazingly successful with that project. I mean. He literally brought down that government and got Mandela out of jail. And, yeah. and I think politicized the, uh, and I think we succeeded in politicizing a lot, a lot of every artist on that record was forever more, uh, you know, more, more political afterwards. And, and you can follow each one of their careers and see that. And, and, and then the industry itself just began to accept issue oriented, you know, songs or, or, or shows that, that, you know, uh, it might not have been specifically political, you know, certainly not, not, Partisan necessarily, but, um, you know, whatever. Well, I was very proud of the fact that whatever the cause was, you Mm -hmm. know, the the show business industry, you know, you, whether it's music or, or the movies or TV, we're always the first ones there, you know, uh, no matter what, you know, if, um, you know, it could have been an earthquake. It could have been a flood. It could have been starvation in Africa, you know, uh, you know, a, a ferry goes down right. somewhere. You know, we're always the first ones there. You know, you 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 know you don't you don't see the oil companies there. You don't see the car companies there. You know, you see show business people there. You know, right. and I've always been kind of proud of that fact that we're we're always the first ones there trying to trying to help out when when things uh, are, are needed. You know,
1: right? And we're at a place in time now where there are issues here that a lot of people um, I think would agree, you know, there need to be changed, you know, need to be fixed, need to be resolved. Do they, does the music still have the power, you know, could something like a sun city occur again today?
0: Well, not exactly. I mean, you know, we, we could not pull that precise thing off today. I, I know that, um, we're in a very weird state worldwide right now. Um, Uh, we're we're sort of in this permanent recession Mm -hmm. um we have a world that is just full of disappointment basically and and struggling and i mean worldwide and so uh, to me it's the darkest period of my life uh, that i've ever i've ever witnessed right now i mean we i'm seeing you know the rise of nationalism and fascism and and you know, white supremacy and 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 and, and religious extremism mm-hmm. and all that has never been more than now. I don't think, uh, and and, and going to increase. I think for the next couple of years until we figure out a way to change this. But um, it's been, you know, so so I I think, but to fight that is very complicated. Mm-hmm. and um, I think what's going to happen is going to be some kind of coalescing around the environment, I think, which is just so obvious and, uh, you know, literally uh, perhaps a, a, a survival sort of uh, situation. So I think, you know, you're going gonna to start to see something, something coalescing around the environment. Uh, these young kids are doing an amazing job, this Greta Thunberg and, mm-hmm. And all of these kids, you know, who are just like sick of sick of the excuses. Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, the technology has now caught up. So obviously, the future is green. Yeah. Uh, the future economy is green. Uh, so uh, what are we waiting for? Let's get on with it. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. Well, look, we we went heavy there. We'll end light. We'll we'll wrap up here. You know, <laughs> you are you are famous. For despising winter, you hate winter. You're my you're Miami Steve after all.
0: How, well, how ironically. <laughs> I... <laughs> Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. Hi, <laughs> Exactly.
1: How did you survive those? What was it? Six months? You were in Norway.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I picked the 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 winterest six oh, months yeah. because I wanted I wanted Norway to be a, a character in the show. Yes. Yeah. And you know, some you know, so I was getting six eight feet of snow in Lilyhammer. Um, you know, I just kind of dealt with it as, as the character did. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, you become that character (laughs) and then that character thought he was going to some kind of Uh, winter paradise and he gets there and realizes, wait a minute, I hate the fucking cold. (laughs) What the fuck am I doing here? You know, what am I nuts? You know, but it's too late, you know, you're there. And so, you know, you kind of, Act, You know, you kind of adapt the way the character adapted, you know, um, and in the end, I kind of got used to it. How I mean, you know, you know they, they're winter people, they're snow people and they they live that lifestyle, man, you know, um, and it's 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 fascinating and, uh, you know. I can tell you that if I do another TV show, i have to do something with Miami. Miami Beach, there you go. We're looking I'm forward to it, way. man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, something <laughs> well, south, uh, know, I can tell you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, speaking of, what 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 are you working on next? Um, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? What's in the works?
0: Yeah, well, um, I got this This tour on November 6th at the Beacon. Right. Um the summer of, Sor- uh, summer of Sorcery Tour. I'm stopping then just in case Bruce wants to work. Um, it'll allow the East Street Band to make a new record and have it out by summer of 2020. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the next couple of months and seeing what he wants to do. If he doesn't do that, then I will try and go back on TV. Um, I'll start talking to some people in the next couple of months. Um, I do want to get back on TV eventually. Uh, but um, I've been having trouble trying to find that six months that you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So Bruce will always have first priority. If we go out next few and that will probably be two years of my life, and I'm going to try to somehow keep the Disciples of Soul uh, alive now forever also. So I'll be trying to balance the band and Disciples of Soul and uh, some kind of TV over the next few years and see how I can... See how I can manage that, but um,
1: well, I we hope you do, man. So there can be another revolutionary uh, TV show uh, to look forward to, <laughs> mm-hmm. Stephen. Man, this was thanks, an absolute man. pleasure. Um, I really, really <laughs> enjoyed this conversation. It was so yeah, nice talking yeah. to you.
0: Me too, man. Me too. And thanks for your kind words about the album. You're play.
1: very welcome, man. I mean it, and I encourage everyone yeah. to give it a spin. As a matter of fact, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to give uh, one of my favorite tracks a spin. This is Espresso Martini from volume two of the Lily Hammer collection. Steamer man's in All right. Much appreciated. See you too. I hope you have a wonderful day. Cool, Take you care. You too. Yep. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. and I'd just like to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. The label just released a new album by drum legend Al Foster. It's out right now, and you can check it out online at smoke sessions records.com. Thanks also to Blue Note Records, the label is currently celebrating its 80th anniversary with a bunch of cool musical initiatives. To see what they've got going on, visit bluenote.com. And thank you to ECM Records, which this year celebrates its 50th anniversary. we got a new concert recording of Keith Jarrett playing solo Bach from 1987. To learn more about that album and all the other great stuff, visit ecmrecords.com. Another big thanks to the online streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. Check out our latest. Visit Deezer.com and search for Jazzes. Our playlists also appear on CoBuzz, one of our sponsors. This is the high-res streaming service that is the premier destination for audiophiles looking to stream music online. Visit CoBuzz.com to learn more. That's Q-O-B-U-Z.com. Another thanks to jazzradio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. Visit jazzradio.com to check it out. Thanks also to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. On the calendar for them in November, a performance by Chaka Khan. It's taking place November 14th. For tickets and more info, visit njpack.org. Thanks also to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz. It's an online library of jazz concert videos and feature documentaries that has been called the Netflix of Jazz. It was started in part by Quincy Jones. Visit Quest TV, that's Q-W-E-S-T dot TV, to learn more. Lastly, we'd like to thank the U.S. Navy Band Commodore's Jazz Ensemble, currently celebrating its 50th anniversary They've got concert dates around the country. If you want to catch them in action, visit our website and click the Navy Band Commodores banner. That'll do it for me, everyone. We'll see you next time on Jazz's Backstage Pass.